Welcome to Elevate Ed for SC, a video podcast series exploring education, transformation in South Carolina. I'm your host, Rashonda Pratt. If you believe that it's time to elevate the conversation from traditional reform ideas and move to real transformation, then you're in the right place. In this series, you'll hear success stories of how transformation education is already happening in some South Carolina schools. The vodcast first season tells stories, raises questions, and looks at solutions, some radical and some right in front of us. We look forward to sharing these stories with you. The sponsor of this vodcast is All for SC, a University of South Carolina initiative that is leading the way in advocating a whole child approach to education. We're coming to you from the Kennedy Greenhouse Studio on the U of SC Horseshoe. In this episode, we'll dive deeper into the importance of student engagement inside the classroom. In this segment, we will hear from regular contributor Merritt Jones, an advisor at Student Voice and an All for SC fellow. Welcome, Merritt, to the show. Hi, nice to be back. Glad to have you here. So Merritt, can you start by sharing how you define student voice and student engagement? Yeah, absolutely. I know in our very first episode, we talked mm -hmm. about that. Um, and part of why I wanted to revisit it is like, let's get really, really specific about how we do it in classrooms. Yes. You can have student voice at a lot of levels, but the very basic nature of student voice is recognizing and then acting upon key the fact mm -hmm. that students are the primary stakeholder in education. They're the most populous and they have to be partners in shaping what it looks like. Um, and what student voice, you know, is not is tokenism, which mm -hmm. is what I think primarily what we name student voice as, you know, putting one student on the school board and saying we have student voice for all um, or decoration. You know, sometimes we bring students into the school board room or into the classroom and have them do something like and the school boards, you know, they'll have mm -hmm. the band come perform. And it's awesome to hear student work and to hear those things. But that's not student voice. That's, you know, students performing and students showing off their work and their things. But passing that off as student voices mm -hmm. is not what that looks like, sounds like, feels like, you know? Yeah. So what about student engagement? What does that really look like? So student engagement is that partnership piece. So I think student voices, I should also mention, we're not giving students voices. They have voices. We have to build the skills, the muscles, mm -hmm. and provide them platforms to use the voices they already have. Right. I think oftentimes we'll say, oh, well, I'm giving this person a voice, or I'm doing that. But students have the voice. That is inherent in them. It's about building the skills and the confidence and the space and um, you know, the assurance that if, if they tell you what they think about something, that they can trust that the adults will have at least recognize it have a conversation mm -hmm. and really critically think about maybe how that perspective impacts what the adults and decision makers do next. Merritt, I love that you're talking about that students already have a voice, but it's like activating the muscle in order for them feeling empowered to actually activate and use it. So what does student voice look like, sound like and feel like in the classroom? Yeah, I think we've talked some about the different levels that student engagement can happen and student mm -hmm giving students um, space and time and just th the space to build that confidence, build that muscle. Mm -hmm. And in the classroom is one of the easiest places to start because we know that to have student-led learning, students have to be able to have opportunities to exercise their voice and decisions and choice. Um, and so that can start in really small ways. So I think some great examples I've seen are students being able to have conversations with their teachers and just give real-time feedback. So we mm -hmm. know that most, in most South Carolina schools, teachers have curriculums they have to follow. 
Um, but they, they have some flexibility in how they administer that curriculum, what projects they might do. And just starting by asking students, you know, what, do you, what did you think about that project? How can we yes. make it better next time? Mm-hmm. That's a really quick start. I think where we start moving up this ladder of student voice um, up to true partnership is, well, what do we want to learn about next? And, and getting students feedback about what they actually are interested in learning, what they care about. Um, and then starting to co-create some of that with them, kind of sharing some of the responsibility and learning and differentiating roles so students get to build skills and, you know, in, in, in small group work or in project-based settings, they get to, you know, take on different kinds of leadership roles and mm-hmm. grow their skills and grow their confidence and, you know, time managing or, um, you know, being the organizer, being the recorder, the note taker, um, being the researcher, being yeah. the presenter, the one having to, you know, share the information mm-hmm. out. And I think getting students' experiences in those are some of the ways you can start giving them, seeing that. Um, And then another example that I've seen happen in real time that I think is just one of the coolest things is teachers can invite students to their um, planning periods and just kind of run stuff by them. Um, Because that's where a lot of that planning happens for classroom instruction. So inviting a student into your department planning period can be a great way. Um, I've also seen I want to give a shout out to a principal I work with um, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, who mm-hmm. she has just done at every level of her school, tried to bring young people, her middle schoolers into those. So she runs a class, mm-hmm. um, first of all, as a principal, um, that is a student voice class where she runs things going on um, that she's thinking about by the students. They get to develop projects and think about what they actually want to do in the school um, and work on a engagement strategy. But then also, you know, we'll bring students into her faculty meetings. Um, to, when they're coming up what with school decisions, like, how, can't you just bring students into yes. a faculty meeting? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I've seen some of those just happen in, in classrooms with, with big impact. Because when students feel connected to mm-hmm. what they're learning, their academic outcomes improve because they, they have a buy-in, they have a reason. Right. You're not just feeding them content that they have to memorize and spit back out. Um, they have a real investment in, in the success of seeing a project go well or see a learning outcome um, be realized. This is such a great idea because what I'm hearing as a parent, this is really developing a partnership between students and teachers. I think for so long it's always been teachers here, students here, but it's really developing a partnership uh, so that there's a win-win for everybody, right? Yeah, everyone wins. I think. Teachers win because there's greater student engagement. They get new ideas because, you know, teachers, they're there year in, year, year in and year out, or they're not because I think there's mm-hmm. not the kind of support they need to be the kinds of leaders um, that students need. And if, if teachers aren't given the space, and we're going to get a little bit more into this in the next segment, mm-hmm. but if students aren't, if teachers aren't given the space to be leaders and develop their profession, how, how do we expect students to... Um, look at that model and and, and develop leadership skills as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think that has to be done in partnership with teachers in the building. And then in the classroom, you know, teachers do have a lot of autonomy over, Mm -hmm. you know, what happens in the classroom, the kind of culture they create. I think it also can be something as simple as, you know, and I'm seeing this in South Carolina classrooms. So this is happening. And this is becoming a a wider spread practice of, you know, having an advisory um, where you know you get to really build a teacher relationship. I heard from teachers in um, some of our work we've been doing with District Teachers of the Year. 
one teacher in her advisory, you know, she had to call during COVID every single one of her students every week when, when they're out. And so building, having a teacher in the building that knows that much about you mm-hmm. really allows you the space to get to know and then that really know the students and then that permeates into the other core subjects. So and powerful. So we really have to get to a place where teachers are given the time and the space to get to know their students. Mm-hmm. And then that it becomes a mutually beneficial thing for everyone in the building. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to what we've been talking about this entire vodcast, the whole child approach. How do you address some of the barriers? And we all know that there can be barriers that might come up when working alongside students. Yeah, I think some barriers are real and some are perceived. Um, I know there's some pretty logistical time barriers mm-hmm. to some of the, the way that we currently have school designed. You know, when I talk about engagement, I think that has been useful in COVID is that a lot of times physical transportation spaces that were less accessible for students to show up to like board meetings or, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes maybe after school activities have become more accessible because students can log on to from a phone or from a computer and join those spaces virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there are some barriers in that there's a lot of trust that has to be built and a lot of trust that has been broken between teachers and students alike. I, we've had a system so long um, that hasn't served the needs of, of the educators who you know are, are part of the profession and, and certainly not of all students. Mm-hmm. And so I think having to build trust in space, I think you have to start small. I think sometimes throwing a whole new system in can be challenging. And so building and working on building a trust and changing the culture and getting students excited and passionate about things because there's been a bit of a, you know, learned helplessness because you've been fed things. um, And so you really have to learn it and develop that kind of inquiry or oftentimes, you know, maybe gets beat out of you. Cause mm-hmm. I imagine you have small children right. who ask lots of questions Yes, and then they get told, they don't get told answers to those questions. When they get to school, they get fed, mm-hmm. you know, compliance. And um, what we have to get more of is, is spaces where those questions get encouraged and um, students and their teachers are in partnership to, you know, answer those questions mm-hmm. or figure out research and, and grow that kind of skill set so that yes th- that becomes a useful a useful thing and, and something that allows them to figure out what are they passionate about right and maybe but, this week it's uh trains and maybe next week it's um research about journalism and being a writer you know mm-hmm. i think there's so many things young people are passionate about at a young age and one of my favorite research things to cite is they've done studies about engagement and just how it drops off in middle school from and super engaged in elementary school and just how quickly that drop off between eighth and ninth grade students just becoming so much less engaged in their learning. Wow. Um, you, you see a huge steep drop off from middle mm-hmm. school to high school and, and how engaged young people report they feel mm-hmm. um, by their teachers and by just like the folks in their building. Yeah, challenging those questions definitely as a parent is very interesting because as you could imagine, I always get the question of how do you spell something? And I always say, (laughs) go to the dictionary. That's where you can find that. I love it. In the next segment, Barnett Berry will join us to expand on this conversation and discuss how it relates to the role of teachers. That's coming up next.
Barnett, thank you so much for joining us in this conversation, talking about the partnership between teachers and students. And Merritt, you have a real life example of this that you're wearing, by the way, today. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I should have mentioned this first, but um, I am rocking some kicks that were designed by an intergenerational team. I worked with a group um, out of Teacher America's Reinvention Lab that just put out proposals and asked for teams of young people and their adult supporters, which often include teachers and community members, mm -hmm. um, to submit designs for a sneaker about what it, what does the future of learning look like to you? Um, and the team that designed these said the future of learning is inclusive. And it was a team of black and brown girls in Trenton, New Jersey, that worked alongside adults in their life to design a sneaker that looked like them, that represented what they wanted the future of learning to look like. So it was the future of learning design challenge. And, you know, that's that's a great example of you know, the kinds of things you can learn in a classroom. So what these students did was they worked through the design process. They had to like really think about, you know, what do we want in a design? And then they got to like think about the production aspect of it. You know, mm -hmm. what does it take to produce um, something that, you know, most young people like sneakers and that's something they're passionate about it. And so how do you take an issue like that that young people care about and infuse real learning out outcomes and do it in partnership with the adults in the school building and do it in partnership with their teachers. Barnett, I know that you love this idea and this concept. We just had a great example of showing the partnership and collaboration between students and adults, between students and teachers and students having a say so in their education. But we know that people want to listen to this conversation and still be skeptical about having youth involved in this work. What do you say to them? Well, I'm going to maybe embarrass Merritt here for a bit because we've been working together uh, for well over a year now and I am easily <laughs> 40 years older than she is mm -hmm. uh, and she teaches me so much every day. She brings perspectives that uh, this 60-something person uh, with lots of experience lot, and I'll say I have some expertise in a number of areas around the teaching profession and the like but um, having a young person in particular who is, first of all, so close to the classroom and the mm -hmm. experiences of uh, everyone in public schools, and then just to have that fresh perspective that's not uh, jaded by sometimes all the years of experience uh, is real value uh, tremendously. And she has helped me so much uh, this past year. Um, and I'm going to miss her when she goes back to the classroom <laughs> next year, but mm -hmm. I am going to be very happy to see her become a teacher. And well. speaking of becoming a teacher and going to the classroom, tell us about what you are, how are you going to bring the whole child approach to your classroom and your experience? Yeah, that's something I have been thinking about. And, part, and the big reason that I went to the classroom, it was through doing this work. Um, I knew that I always wanted to yeah. go to the classroom. That was important to me. But through doing this work, I, I think we saw a, the last few school years where that became a priority in a lot of ways, but not for everyone. Uh, not for our teachers, certainly. We weren't considering um, all of their well-being. Mm -hmm. And I think when I think about what I'll do for my students, I think I'm really ready and excited about the opportunity to do the kind of learning we're talking about. Um, I'll be teaching middle school social studies where there are so many real-world examples in our state, and I'll be down in the low country that is just rich and so deep in the kind of history that we need to be doing. and. Um, but also like really attending to the needs of, of young people as they're processing that and mm. their families and their ancestors and all the things um, that our history is messy and we know that. And um, I think really making sure that we're really talking through 
how, how they're bringing their full selves to the mm -hmm. classroom. You know, that yeah. backpack that Veronica uh, mentioned in, in the yeah. episode when we talked about right. it. But going back to the shoes, which are great, and I do want a pair uh, myself. Uh, I might go a little bit different color because I'm more of a blue and tan sort of guy. Uh, but that said, um, if you think about what teachers, other community folk, and mm -hmm. kids did together in this school, right? what does that mean for the work life of a teacher? That means the teacher not only needs to be, yes, helping kids learn some you know, basic content around math in particular, which mm -hmm. you need to know some math to design a shoe, but you have to know a whole lot more about entrepreneurship. You have to know a lot more about art and, mm -hmm. uh, and other sorts of design elements, right? Mm -hmm. So have a teacher have the time and space to not only work with other colleagues, but also work with kids in the production of the shoe and then have the time and space to innovate with community members. That's yes. where the relationship between students leading their own learning and teacher leadership becomes indelibly linked. I love that. So if we're gonna have student-led learning, how does that change the teaching process? Oh my goodness. Well, I, I hate to, to bring a little downer to this conversation, which is so uplifting, but a new poll just came out that was produced by Merrimack College and Ed Week. Mm -hmm. um, and I hate to say this, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in our audience and the two mm. wonderful women here I am with today, that only 12% of America's teachers right now are very satisfied with their work. A wow. precipitous drop from even the last 10 years, only 12%. Mm. And if you uh, peel back uh, underneath that, they ask a few more questions and you'll find that um, the average teacher today is working about 54, 55 hours a week. And by the way, if you're working in high need schools, that number goes up dramatically. Mm. But of that, let's just say that 54, 55 hours, only two hours a week are teachers working with parents and community. Mm -hmm. And only two hours a week are they working with colleagues, which is where they get this inspiration to do this type of student-led learning. Yeah. We have to change the design of the teaching profession so teachers can lead in a variety of ways so students can lead. So Merritt and Barnett, I'm going to bring you into this final thought. How do we actually do more of this here in South Carolina? I think it really starts to me with a shift in the way that we think about teachers and value teachers and give them the space and the time yeah. to collaborate with their colleagues. Because again, we know and we've seen, we've been talking to incredible yeah. educators all across the state this year. There is really powerful stuff happening and they don't have the time to talk about, to sit yeah. around. And when we put them in a room, mm -hmm. the kind of magic that comes out of those conversations when really incredible educators talk to one another, the kind of co-innovation that happens. And we have to start valuing the profession in a way that, and, and start creating, and there's very tangible policy that we're talking to folks about that they can do to start making those shifts and giving teachers yeah. more time in their day to do the kind of co-learning they Absolutely. We need. If we uh, slim down the curriculum, mm -hmm. uh, do what the Singaporeans did to kind of transform their learning systems, where by the way, they're the top performing jurisdiction education jurisdiction in the world where they teach less and kids learn more. Mm -hmm. So you teach less and you have more opportunities for teachers and kids to create and innovate and produce shoes like this. Mm -hmm. Give teachers the space and time. We can do this, uh, but we have to think very differently about our bell schedules, 
which we've talked a, a bit about with Patrick Kelly a few episodes ago. Yes. And we have to value teachers in, uh, in the way we've talked about with Veronica Thomas a few episodes ago as well. Mm -hmm. But we can do this. I'm hopeful that these lively discussions that we are having is really sparking people to really take on this whole child approach. We Th do too. Thank you so much. Yes. We've got more lively and engaging conversations like this coming your way this season. If you're a podcast listener, please subscribe through Apple or Spotify and maybe leave us a five-star review if you like what you hear. You've been elevated. See you next time. Make sure to connect to ElevateEdForSC.com for this episode's show notes, stories, and additional research. Follow us on social media at ElevateEdForSC and tell us what you think about what we've discussed today. Drop us a DM or visit our website to shoot us an email. Elevate Ed for SC is a production of U of SC's College of Education and College of Information and Communications in partnership with All for SC and the Tri-County Cradle to Career Collaborative.